Hello, I'm Amy Keeley and this is the Travel Weekly Podcast. With so many questions surrounding coronavirus and its implications for the industry, for this episode we are going to use the audio from a recent Facebook Live Q&A we held here in our offices with APTA's Director of Legal Affairs, Simon Bunce, Kuoni Senior Sales and Operations Manager, Brad Bennett's, and Travelor Senior Partner, Matt Gattenby. The video proved hugely popular and we received dozens of questions from our readers, so we thought it would be useful to broadcast through another medium to make sure even more of you can access the advice from our expert panel. The session was moderated by our Editor-in-Chief, Lucy Huxley. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, very special Travel Weekly Facebook Live. We're going to be discussing uh, coronavirus and the impact on the travel industry. We've been inundated with uh, different questions and comments on our website and on our social channels. Uh, people have got lots of questions about it to help them with their, uh, with their businesses and how they chart a way uh, through this rather unprecedented situation that we find ourselves in. First of all, let's just uh, get some perspective, if we can, on this. See, this coronavirus issue, um, how does it compare to other shall we say, crises that the industry has faced. I mean, we've had reports saying it's uh, as big an impact on the travel industry as the first Gulf War, but then we've also been through SARS and uh, 9-11, we've had the ash clouds. So start with you, Simon. Where, where does this, or how does this compare, or how, how is it different? Well, um, I wasn't in the industry for the first Gulf War, um, but I lived through the rest of them, with the other uh, crises that you mentioned. I think the, the, the real difference with this one is the um, lack of sense of scale of it at the moment. So with the others that you mentioned, with SARS, you know, geographically that was much more distinct about where it was. Um, Same with, you know, 9-11 to to an extent. Um, And um, the, the ash cloud, you know, geographically it was much clearer where the problem was um, and in a sense, what the sort of likely um, uh, sort of scope of it would be. At the moment, with this one, we haven't really got that clarity. We haven't got that certainty. So I think, you know, at this stage, and hopefully the clarity will come, um, you know, in, in fairly short order. But, you know, at this stage, that's where we are. And that's where I think the, the concerns of the industry are, is that everybody is thinking, you know, what if this happens? And what if that yeah. happens? because you've got no real sense of what the extent of it yes, might be. Yes, in other be. situations, that an incident has happened and then we're dealing with the fallout. That's right. And this one is an ever-moving feast, isn't it? That's so, right. And, and Matt, you were saying you thought it had perhaps some similarities to the ash cloud, but explain, yeah. explain what you meant by that. Well, it, it's certainly all those <coughs> examples you've given, Lucy. It, it takes a little bit out of all of those and puts them together in this terrible concoction, which gives so many different problems. Um, I always think it's more like the ash cloud, which makes no sense because they're completely different things, but the kinds of questions are very similar. You know, for instance, I'm selling a villa on its own um, and the customer's getting there by their own steam. Do I have to give a refund? Those are the kinds of questions we've got under the ash cloud. But the answer is you give any kind of uh, situation, then the facts that start coming around it change everything. So it's really hard to pin down. We are living Mm. through history. This is something we will talk about the same way we talked about um, SARS and MERS and the ash cloud, yeah. I think. And in terms of, I mean, we, it's an unknown, we don't know this yet, And it, but if you look at China, it perhaps took them two to three months to sort of contain uh, or to stop the, uh, the number of cases increasing. Uh, what do you think is, you know, is it going to take us least that long elsewhere in the world or are we just going to see, I guess, uh, outbreaks in different parts of the world? You're saying it's difficult to tell at the moment because yeah. it's, presumably it could, it could break anywhere yeah I mean I, I, I mean I, I have no idea how long it will take to contain I think though you know from an industry point of view the, the uh, really uh, you know our job all of our jobs is to get that sense of perspective around it mm. because yes it's you know it is you know it's developing um, but I think you know if you looked at, if you look at the, the the press coverage around it when it first kicked off, uh, particularly with the cruise companies, you know that was very big news, very big mm. consumer news stories, which um, you know it was understandable. But there, again, there was no real context around it. I think this week, with the government announcement on what they're going to be doing in the UK, I think that's very helpful because we've got you know we've got the the international situation was in the press. This week, it's the UK situation in the press. I kind of feel that over time, there will be a sense of 
clarity, a bit of settling down mm. with the sort of news agenda around it, which I think is really helpful, you know, for the industry because yeah. it, you know, if we've got to be calm, we've got to try yes. and make sure that the consumers mm. are calm and do see yes. a sense of perspective. Um, you know, there are a you know, relatively few number of places that the FCO is advising against travel to, and that's what we've got to work with. Okay. You know, everywhere else, you know. Low risk. Okay. You know, travel but, is low risk apart from where the FCO says don't go. Right, but you, you mentioned the government and obviously they've, they've, they've met and they've come out this morning, the chief medical officer was saying, look, it is going to get worse before it gets better. So that was the, this morning's message. And I guess for the travel industry, in light of that, that sort of message, um, would that suggest that the containment measures, if we think it's going to get worse, are going to increase? Because that obviously could impact the travel industry. You know, are they're going to shut airports or, you know, I mean, how serious could that get given that we haven't gone through the worst of it mm. yet? Um, I don't know. We will have to see. Um, I mean, at the same time today, just before we came in here, I noticed, you know, the stock markets are calming. So, you know, I think there's, there's a general sense of, of settling down, perhaps, okay. um, which I think is, you know, as I say, is what we've all got to try and achieve as far as the consumers are concerned. Okay. And we, we have to remember people will want to travel. There may be a short-term sort of lull, if you like, but as we move down the line, people will want to go away and will want to travel. So it is about us creating that positivity, talking about, you know, booking for next year, what's, what's to come. And even at a local level, your loyal customers out there, you know, contacting them, making sure they're aware, and just generally being, mm. being uh, creating that positivity. Okay, because a lot of the questions we've had in from, from uh Tra travel agents were about the, uh, the sensationalising of this story and we had Michelle Wilson, I'll reference her, she said how do we stop the consumer press creating mass hysteria, blowing it all out of proportion and making our jobs more difficult? Well that's, that's not, you know, we're not questioning that, it clearly is making people's lives very difficult, but is it hysteria or is this really a crisis? Because we can't be cavalier and suggest that they don't take it seriously. So it's it's finding that mm. that balance. I don't know whether you know. Is it a crisis in your opinion? I mean, presumably you're treating it. I know you've been having crises, <clears throat> maybe not Cobra level, but you know, tour <clears throat> operators are having bringing their boards together and having crisis talks. Yeah. People must be contingency planning. So yes. you know, we, are we right to dismiss it as hysteria, well, or no, are we taking no, it seriously? You know, no, it's it, we've got to get the facts out there. You know, that's what we are. Um, you know, all attempting to do is get the facts out there, focusing on the FCO work and the government work. Um, and if the customers can can be um, shown what the reality is of the you know the level of risk in all the destinations, um, that is our job. So yes, it's a crisis because obviously it's hitting people's businesses. Yes. So therefore, it's a crisis. Yes. Um, yes, there is a you know there's a virus out there. People will get sick. So to that extent. It's a crisis, but I think the sense of proportion perhaps has been missing, um, and that's what we've really got to try and get back: is okay. a sense of proportion around. There's it. definitely a keep calm message here. I mean, if it is a crisis, if if it is all going the way we don't want it to, well, we're not going to gain anything by panicking and taking action, which is over the top. Um, it's going to affect different people in different ways. You know, we've heard about offices being closed. Well, again, if you've got someone who comes in that's ill, you've got to work out, well, what do you do about the stuff that you've got? Yeah. How, whether you do close the office, whether you do go for the deep clean, um, whether you do send people abroad. So, okay, so let's let's pick up on that, that issue before yeah. we get on to customers then. Let's talk about if you're running a business, and you, whether it's a small travel agency or if it's a large OTA, as we saw with Travel Republic, obviously mm -hmm. they had a case. What? Let's get some advice around that. You know, should you be... Uh, Asking anybody who's been to certain regions to stay at home. I mean, what, 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 I mean, what do you yeah. do? You've got a big office in Dorking. What do yeah, you do? Yeah, yeah. So um, for us, number one, it's looking after the customer. But in the same breath, it's our staff. You know, we have a lot of staff in a head office and around the country. We have overseas reps all around the world that we need to consider. Um, so firstly, things that we put in place as declarations if they've travelled to certain destinations in, in the last period. Yeah. Uh, there is a big hygiene factor, as we've been hearing as well, washing the hands, singing the happy birthday song. But fundamentally, it is about being proactive. We, all our staff at head office are laptop-based. They've been advised to take their, their laptops home every night. So like Travel Republic, if something were to happen, you, people can work from home and, can, <coughs> and the business can function. Mm -hmm. So it's steps like that that we put in place to make sure that, that we prepared. You know, we know the travel history of our staff and 
and our reps abroad. And are you still <coughs> sending staff abroad? You know, they're still going and... Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, we are, like most tour operators and business, reviewing essential, non-essential yeah. travel across the board, really. Um, so, so we can't expect our staff, we can't tell our staff enough to travel if we expect our customers to. I suppose that's quite important. Yeah. But yeah. in the same breath, if a, if a staff member doesn't want to travel for whatever reasons, we're very open to that and willing to work with them okay. on that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's just go to another question from an agent. A specific question. This is from Andrew Earl. He said, can an employer insist on a member of staff who is returning from Italy, <coughs> makes that uh, country specifically, to self-isolate even when they don't have symptoms. Uh, actually, I was in northern Italy, not in anywhere near the hotspots, and uh, came back, and obviously you know, we were questioning whether, but the advice at the time uh, from the World Health Organization was that if you are fine and you don't have any symptoms, you don't feel ill at all, then you carry on as business as usual. Is that the same, and is that what... Uh, you know, if, you, if you're running a business, you should still advise your staff to do. We've had a lot of questions on this. Um, our head of HR, Amy, has been kind of constantly tackling this kind of question. And it's difficult because, again, you want to go in line with the kind of authorities and what they advise on this. Mm. They are the ones that are, are the source of information on this. Um, if someone comes in from one of those areas and they are otherwise kind of, you know, asymptomatic, that's one thing. If they come in with a sniffle or a cold, maybe you can justify saying, look, as a risk precaution measure we're going to say work from home do whatever if you can because not everyone has but then that would ability. you have to work from home for 14 days there's no well, point just saying have a couple of days potentially so again there, there are no hard and fast rules on this you know the kind of self-isolation thing is a suggestion it's not an order unless you are told by the health authorities right you know, you're in quarantine now yeah. you need self-isolate yeah. so you're trying to take sensible steps without doing as we've said kind of going over over the top um, so you've just got to kind of weigh it all up and see what the best way forward is okay mm. but, the, but in answer andrew's question if it's your business and you're the employer, you can insist on whatever you feel is right. I think most if, staff would understand. If yeah. you've just been to one of those areas, look, you're coming back into the office, it, it, it probably is nothing, but on the other hand, if this goes bad, the whole office is going to go down. We don't want that. Yeah. Do you mind if we do this? And they will almost certainly agree. Okay. And I think you know, that, business, that sort of business continuity planning is something that all, you know, all businesses should be doing anyway. Yeah. Working yes. out how you can operate the business if you are if you haven't got enough if you haven't got the regular quota of staff in. Um, you know, something, something you're we've helping done. members with at the moment that sort of business continuity planning. Well, yes, it's it's telling them you know it's advising them on the sort yeah. of things that they need to be taking into account. I mean, we you know I did a whole exercise yesterday with my teams. Um, it was interesting because you know we can do we can pretty much work. Everyone can do everything they need to do from home. You have got the computer, you know, computers. You got the networks. You got the phones. You got all of this. The one bit we came a cropper on was post. <laughs> letters, right. hard yeah. copy letters. Yeah. You know. So we got to work out how we deal with consumers who are, you know, putting, sending their complaints in. They haven't got access to the internet, so they send it in in hard copy. How do how do we get that if we haven't got access to the building or you know yeah. those sorts yeah. of issues? And meetings as well. Yeah. How do you you know what if yeah. member of staff says, well, I can do that, but on the other hand, I've got a very important meeting scheduled for Tuesday or whatever. What do you do with that kind yeah. of situation? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess encouraging. FaceTiming or conference yeah, calls. Skyping, or, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Um, we may have time to come back to more questions around staff and running. But let's talk about customers. So maybe start with you, Brad. You run a big tour operation. You go all around the world. You've got your, your big operation out to Asia, but also your short haul businesses. Yeah. Italy is yeah. a is a big destination for you. So what's been the impact for you? So undoubtedly, as with many people, I'm sure watching. There's, there's a big impact, you know. I think we are seeing that nervousness, that unknown, and customers either deferring or cancelling. And uh, it's we're doing everything in our power to encourage people to still con continue travelling or, or, or So are change. you proactively going to customers so, with forward bookings or yes. are you waiting for them to raise so the alarm? So, for example, uh, China and South Korea, uh, we've proactively uh, cancelled or tours up until the end of June. We offer a favourable rebooking um, policy, for example, a discount on a, on a future tour. Yeah. So we've proactively cancelled those tours right to the end of June on those two specific destinations. For other destinations, we'll waive uh, um, admin fees for changes. So it is important to remember the customers at the heart of this. And whether it's it's your customer or, or or ours, it's about ensuring you know they looked after from beginning to end. So so yeah, other things that we're doing as a company is you have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I suppose so uh, we've totally 
beefed up our operations team. Obviously, Kuoni's got a long history in the UK and are amazing at dealing with all these crises that we've seen. But we've more than tripled our operations team over the last week to ensure that we are prepared, you know, should something... What do operations team do then? They're dealing if, in case in you resort. have to get people... Yeah, so yeah. in resort, so, you have to get people home. Have or? to get, let's say, FCO vice changes for yeah. a destination, have to get repatriate people in resort, customers changing in a destination that may be large, uh, affected even worse. So all of that, along with customer services. So we've really beefed up that team to be prepared, you know, for, okay. for, the, for the eventualities. So that's as a tour operator. Of yeah. course, you also have uh, a retail side of yeah. your business and plus you have agent partners yeah. that work uh, on your behalf selling your holidays. So what has been, you know, are you communicating that to agents to reassure them that you're taking control of things or are you asking them to do certain things as well? Um, I think it's a, t- it's a two-way street. I think agents know their customers, their customers better than us. So it's about a conversation. So we are definitely communicating our steps and what we're doing. But I think in ev- every scenario is different. Every customer is different. Every travel agency is different. So we will be as flexible as we can and we need to be because we're in this together. You know, it is a it's a it's a tough situation that's almost unprecedented. So it's about being open and communicative with with our agent partners or customers. Okay. Yeah. And uh, are you doing what you think, which is the sort of the statutory thing that you're doing or do you think you're going over and above because I think that's one of the issues we've had in certain all the questions it's yeah. like you know where is the liability what what do what what do you have to do and what could you do to send the right message or to be giving maybe going above and beyond that duty of care uh, for us in China and South Korea specifically we've gone above and beyond as in we're offering uh, customers a discount when they rebook for a future tour next year for example right. uh, we're also waiving um, admin fees but obviously as most tour operators we are guided by FCO advice yeah. essentially at the so end what of the day. so what are tour operators legally obliged to do uh, to a, if they've got a holiday going to a destination that's uh, first of all, you know, the FTO have said advised against travel, but also if they they haven't actually advised against travel, but people clearly have concerns. That, I don't know if you can go yeah. to those two, either of you, whoever wants to say <laughs> that. Got two lawyers on the panel, so... Uh, Happy to. Okay. The, the, the simple situation, and it's not a pleasant one, is if you have, you know, if there's a package in particular that's going to a destination where the FCO is advised against travel, that's that. You're going to end up, certainly if it's a package situation, giving a refund to the customers. Um, yes, if you can work with them to get an alternative in, maybe do it next year, but it depends on the kind of product you've got. Because again, if someone's saying, well, you know, this was a once in a lifetime thing, or I'm going to go see the Great Wall of China, harder to rearrange than maybe uh, a ski trip. But then again, ski trip, ski season only lasts so long, so what are you going to do? So that's the relatively easy but painless part. Um, if the FCO yeah, is that's cut and dry, isn't it? More or less. Yes. Um, okay. and it, and it does Why do you say more or less? This is where the confusion comes in. Why more or less? Well, again, it depends exactly what your business is doing. So if you are the tour operator, that's fine. Some right. um, other types of businesses like the agents and ancillaries, well, what about us? How does this affect us? Do we get paid by the tour operator yeah. or, or what do we do with the bookings? So again, then you look into things like agency agreements and supplier agreements. Yeah. But, but yes, generally speaking. But uh, I think as well, you've got to look closely at what the FCO are saying. Yes. Because, you know, it's not, they're not advising against all travel to northern Italy. You know, they're advising to very specific to places. 11, 10 times. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, the consumer might not hear that. They might mm. just hear the FCOs advising against travel to northern Italy. So, you know, it's when push comes to shove, it's the specifics of what the FCO is saying. Um, and as Matt says, you know, there's a conversation to be had then around alternatives. Mm. But at the end of the day, if, okay. if they are advising against travel to where you are sending your people, yes, that's, that's a pretty, refund. Pretty, yeah. That's a refund. So, yeah. okay, let's say then, using your example of Italy, it's northern Italy, but it, and so people are nervous. It's been all yep. over the news. They could justifiably be quite concerned because they've heard it's a, you know, that's where people have had this, uh, there's been an outbreak, but it's not one of those 10 towns. Would if they wanted to cancel, but it wasn't in the Foreign Office advice, where would they stand then? They they don't have to go if they don't want to, um, but, but normal terms very, and conditions yeah. will apply. So if they're into cancellation, so it's their choice, um, obviously. And um, are there examples of some tour operators that are being a bit more generous or a bit more lenient because they're obviously trying to give a good PR message? Or yes, I think I think you know some tour operators are. Well, it, it's 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 again, it's about keeping the customer, isn't it? So if you could if you can 
do as you're doing, look at alternatives, look at you know, different arrangements yeah. for another time or something like that, just you know, to keep that customer in, then you know, that's, the, that's the sort of best, next best sort of scenario. Really. And I think from a tour operator's <clears throat> perspective, you know, it is about doing what's right for that customer. So if a customer doesn't want to travel, we'll look at what we can do in terms of minimizing the cost in the cancellation. So, and most tour operators out there would be as flexible as they can in these uncertain times. Yeah. Should we, oh, Amy has oh. just moved everyone, so we must have some questions coming in. Uh, let's, let's take some of these questions. Okay, right. So this, uh, I haven't read these before, so bear with me, but Ian Lloyd has asked a question. What will be the situation for tour operators and clients if a passenger from the UK is denied entry into a country, but there is no FCO advisory against, advice against travel? Matt. Interesting. <laughs> so, Thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> um, so we're saying that the customer's flown from the UK to wherever, but then is denied entry. Yes. Well, obviously you'd want to know why they've been denied entry. Um, from a tour operator perspective, if you look into it, and you'd have to investigate because you'd want to know why as well, if there was nothing wrong with what you were providing, <clears throat> then that's the kind of at the end of that. There's no reason for you to give a refund or whatever. But the reason for the rejection, it might be a visa issue. If it is a health issue, well, why have they been rejected? Mark, could it be because they previously visited a country? Yeah. And if that, and then is that is the onus on the tour operator when they're or the travel agent when they're making that booking? Do they have they got to start asking where they've travelled to in the last month before they book them on this holiday? I, I think if, if the tour operator knows that a particular destination has restrictions on people going into that destination because they have previously been in an infected area, mm. then they need to tell the customer that okay. that's the situation. Now, if the customer says, well, I've, I haven't been there, so that's fine, and they book and they get in, that's okay. If it turns out the customer wasn't telling them the whole truth, that's the customer's problem. Not okay. the tour operator's problem. It's an odd thing so, because there is, there is no legal responsibility for you to say to your customers, right, tell us, have you been to any of these destinations? Well, no. and let's be honest, people are, demand is down. Yep. People are going to want hmm. to take bookings if, if, where we can yeah. and we're going to come on, a, 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 a hope, in, uh, to talk about how we're going to keep the industry moving mm. and keep bookings coming in. But they're going to want to take a booking. They don't want to keep asking no. loads and loads of questions. No, it's just but another, I, but you know, think, it's but another I think thing if, that might put people off. Yeah. But I think if they know, you know say you, you know, you're travelling to a destination, the tour operator knows, or the travel agent knows, that that destination has restrictions in place. Mm. They need to tell that customer before they book, so the customer can decide whether or not they're, they're going to be booking. And that's a good place uh, for them to be The going. tricky bit is that those, you know, there isn't a great deal of consistency around these restrictions. Mm. Um, mm. And they are coming up on a fairly sort of ad hoc where, basis where, in where different places. where do agents find this information? Is that available on Abtas? Website, I mean, like we, different restrictions. We, for different yeah, countries I mean, we, we, in. where will we find that information? Well, we've got, um, you know, we put out our operational bulletins, yeah, uh, which all the members can sign up to. Uh, I forget what what edition we're on now for this for the coronavirus, but it's it's you know it's it, there's a lot of them out there, uh, and that is updated with the links through to the FCO specific okay. advice for the specific countries um, and all the latest advice from the FCO, Public Health England, You're all the other, all the so other agents That's all going out there. Should be looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. Daily, I guess. Yeah, and we've got you know we've got a, a hub on the website for consumers with all the coronavirus yeah. advice. Uh, we've got a hub for members with all the sort of coronavirus advice in there. So you know it's all on there. Um, I mean you know the other bit is us getting the message out again, as I keep saying. You know we've done I think about you know 350 media pieces since the end of January on yeah. this. You know and that's national media, it's TV, it's radio, it's local radio, it's it's newspapers. You know, it's just about getting the information out there. And I think, you know, if, if consumers feel that they are getting the right and accurate information, again, I think that's what's going to bring back a sense of perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's loads of questions. Should we just, we'll just <clears throat> carry on? Um, question from LATA, the Latin American Travel Association. If a client is quarantined while abroad, who is responsible for them at that point, including covering their upkeep, <clears throat> so, you know, accommodation, food and beverage, and their repatriation. Is it the mm. travel agent? Is it the tour operator? Or is it the insurance provider? Uh, either the tour operator or the agent's insurance provider or the client's insurance? I want to come on and talk about insurance in a minute, but who has to pick up the bill in that situation? That could happen. Somebody could get mm -hmm. quite Well, it has happened. Exactly. Yeah. So what's happening there? Well, um, two very different scenarios. If, if a person is infected, 
if a person is ill, then that's a travel insurance issue. The, 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 the clients, the, the clients actually got it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you know they've got travel insurance in case they get ill. Yeah. They've got ill. So you know. Now the the for those who are not ill but are placed in quarantine, this is a very thorny legal issue. Okay. Our view. Um, and you know, I think this is the right view, is that that is not the responsibility of the tour operator, that is the responsibility of the authority that has imposed the quarantine conditions. Um, I'm aware that that is not the view of everybody. Um, there is a provision in the package travel regulations that says that a tour operator is responsible if they can't get people back at the end of the holiday, that they are responsible for looking after the customer for three nights, so accommodation, Reasonable Three food and what have you. Cover it well, quite, quite. Which is which is one of the reasons why I say that that's an irrelevant yeah, okay. provision. Yeah. Um, you know. So now I, 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 you know, I think that's the wrong answer. I think the answer is it's a responsibility who, of who is, whoever has imposed okay. the the um, the quarantine. The question of the repatriation flight again. I don't think that's the responsibility of the tour operator um, because you know the the tour op the, the travel services that return flight that the tour operator contracted to provide happened. Mm. All that happened is they that the customer didn't turn up. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, that can happen for all sorts of reasons. You know, if someone breaks their leg at the end of the holiday, they won't get that return flight. Yeah. Um, that's not the responsibility of the tour operator to find or to fund another return flight. They have to provide assistance and part of that assistance will, you know, may well involve sourcing alternative travel mm. arrangements, but in my view, it's, they don't have to pay for it. Again, now that bit, I've not seen anyone give a definitive answer against that. That's, people mm. aren't sort of coming out on that, on that, on that particular point. Um, and I think what we've seen so far is that tour operators have brought their customers home at the end of a quarantine period. Okay. Um, but, so you know, we don't and, get to people have had... As far as I'm aware, as far as I'm... Yeah, yeah. Maybe come to you to see if you agree with that, Matt. But also, supplementary question: You know, if if Simon's right and it's the responsibility of the authorities, but your your travel agent and you've got a customer there who's going, well, I can't pay for it. You know, I can't buy another flight. I can't afford another fourteen nights accommodation. It cost me enough to get the holiday in the first place. I mean, that's a real concern, and they're going to be calling their travel agent, going, "Can you help me?" So, it, it, I understand you're saying mm -hmm. that, that that's where you think the responsibility lies. But how easy is it to get? the authorities to pay for it and might it take ages to get that money back and who has to pay for it up front? Okay, I would like to disagree with Simon on this but I can't because I agree with him. <laughs> uh, I think that's exactly right. Um, it is one of these situations which again, I stand to be corrected, we've never seen before. Yeah. So it's, or, or not to this degree. And again, what do you do if the local authorities, you know, come and say you, none of you are going anywhere? The operator can't do anything about it, the flight is going back. I think what we've seen from Jet2 and whatnot is, is, is fair enough in terms of what they've, do, in what they've done. But you're right, the customers are going to remember what the travel company, be that the operator or the agents, mm. did. But again, well, where do you go with that? If it's so far above your obligations, yes, you have to give assistance. If you're an operator, you're legally obliged to. What assistance is, is, is difficult to define. But certainly giving help and being a contact, and if they need to arrange their own flights home, you would help them do that. Mm. The agents don't have the same legal responsibility, but they want to. We've seen it time yeah. and time again. Yeah. Um, well, some of them put their hand in their own pocket and I they all say, them. well, we'll cover yeah. that. And then they're spending months trying to chase get the money, chase the that. money and, 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 and get it back. Being blunt, if they do that, then they're at risk of never seeing that money again. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't have to do it. If they want to do it, well, no one's going to criticise that. And that's a great yeah. um, customer service yeah. point. Yeah. But legally, they don't have to. Uh, and you would hope that the authorities have input these poor customers in that position, they will then say, right, well, we're now going to do the right thing and at least arrange your flights back to the UK as soon as we can. I think, again, this is one of those areas where, you know, the complete lack of certainty at the moment about how this is going to pan out is causing problems. Because yeah. if people could see that this was a relatively, you know, there was an end to this, and that perhaps geographically it could be contained in some way, then you might take a view on what you were going to do if your customers were in this position. Right. At the moment, we don't know the answer to any of that. Mm. Therefore, you know, what we've got to do, you know, what APTA's got to do, what people like Matt have got to do, is try and come to a firm 
legal view so that everybody knows what the bottom line is. Yeah. And once we've got that, then people can work out from a business point of view what it is that they're going to be doing with their customers. This example, I guess, is Princess Cruises, which was clearly you know, looked after the customers. They were on board, but yeah. it continued feeding mm. them and all the rest yeah. of it. But ultimately, they had to get the government to get a plane to bring them back. You know, that was that was obviously well publicised. So mm. I guess it's different in every. It yeah. can be different in every yeah. in every case. All mm. right. Um, we hope we're helping. We'll carry on with them. And some some of it is not cut and dry, but hopefully no. this is helping. Good questions. Uh, good questions. Let's have another one. Linda Armit. She says, "Is there any protection for vulnerable customers cancelling due to health concerns?" So obviously we've heard a lot about uh, coronavirus being uh, particularly. Um, dangerous for people, uh, the elderly or people with respiratory problems and perhaps less so for people who are younger and in good health. So she's saying, for example, an elderly uh, couple with multiple health concerns travelling on a cruise in the Med later this month. They can't cancel as per the cruise company terms and conditions. So is it then 100% loss? Uh, but obviously, the risk to their health is very high. So that how, how does that uh, work when you've when you know you it's not off limits the cruise or the destination, but they are particularly concerned because they've been told as elderly people or they've heard on the news as elderly people that they're they're most at risk. It's a tricky it's, one, isn't it? Another tricky one. Go on. Uh, no, I was just going to say we've had exact examples of that where okay. um, customers have said health problems, can't travel, uh, or don't want to travel, particularly more on the don't want to. Um, and the couple of examples that we've had, they've gone to the insurers and produced you know, the paperwork and they, they, they have managed to uh, defer and cancel the holiday and the insurance company helped them And when them you say out. produce yeah. the paperwork, they've had to produce medical Correct. certificates that they've got yes. respiratory problems or whatever it yeah. would be. And in that yeah. case, the insurance two, things. Two that's... individual examples, yes. but on a wider scale. Yeah. But yes. as a tour yeah. operator, if they'd have come to you as a tour operator if, mm. and they'd said that, that exact uh, example, you would have yeah. kind of gone, well, I'm... You can still take your holiday. Yeah, strictly speaking, I suppose. Mm. But if, it depends when, if they're traveling next week, that's a lot more difficult to assist with, isn't it? If it's three mm. months down the line, we can be a lot more flexible. So I suppose this, it depends on the exact scenario. But like we were saying earlier, you know, strictly speaking, the terms of the terms. And when do you put that, you know, yeah. when you draw the line in the sand, you know, I get what you're saying. You yeah, need yeah. really immediate travel, but I mean, this could continue yeah. for yeah. I think for I mean that that's where perhaps there is a bit of an analogy with the Zika virus because right. it's not it's not exact at the moment because with Zika you knew it was in a particular destination and you knew that um, pregnant women were at particular risk and so I think tour operators took a particular view yeah. there yeah. Um, with this it's you know I don't think we got that clarity about the level of risk, if they're on a cruise in the Mediterranean, there's no particular risk about coronavirus on a cruise in the Mediterranean. Yeah. So I don't think that in that situation, they would be entitled to anything other than normal um, cancellation terms. Your um, line in the sand point, Lucy, is spot on. There's got to be one, uh, and it's got to sit somewhere, and I think that is where it is at the moment. Okay, mm. all right. Um, Sean Fletcher, you've asked a question around uh, customers being locked down abroad, and the advice about costs. I hope we've covered that already. We're not ignoring your question, but I think we've already covered that with a previous question. Uh, Michelle Daniels asks, where do tour operators stand with the airlines once they've committed to a group allocation and finally have to cancel the tour due to foreign office advice? So this is a tour operator and their relationship with an airline, but what, how, how does that work, Simon? Um, that will be down to the contract terms with the airline, I imagine. And, you know, depending on what the, what the what the terms of the allocation are, what their cancellation terms are with the airline. Okay, so if um, they so, but if they've had to cancel the tour because the foreign office advised, it should not. Yeah, I mean, it depends airline. what the airlines is what the airline is I doing. If the airlines are, are not flying there, then that would be a different thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, the mere fact that FCO is advising against travel doesn't mean that airlines can't continue operating to right. that destination. Okay. So I think that's so a sort of, got to take I think that's a contract, well, yeah, I think it's a contractual issue with the they airline. They get their money back for those seats, presumably. Okay, you're nodding. Mm. Well, it, it is very much a contractual issue, and it's true with any suppliers, really. Um, the same points come up. It is, what we're seeing with airlines at the moment is it's, it's going both ways. The airlines are cutting back and cancelling some flights, and then on the other hand, having tour operators saying, right, we're now not going to send these people there. So you'd like to think it all evens out in the end. Mm. Um, the industry comes together and, and works together and a solution is found. It's always going to be a difficult conversation. Okay. Yes. 
All right. Um, thank you for that, Michelle. Uh, let's move on to Jackie Corbett's question. She's saying loads of people are cancelling at loss of deposit because they think they will lose all their money if their holiday is affected. Uh, right, so they'd rather lose the small amount than, mm -hmm. than, than the big, the full balance. Can tour operators maybe give us guidelines or reduce uh, fees so we can try and retain these bookings? Is that... So, I, do we fully understand that no, question? Sorry, no. hope I've read that out <clears throat> right, uh, uh, Jackie. Uh, so if I understand uh, referring to the deposit or... Uh... Guidelines or reduce fees. Change fees, maybe, because if you make a change... Just so what we're currently doing is working with select uh, airlines, hotel partners to, to try and establish a more preferential change stroke cancellation fees uh, or no fees at all, really. So we're going to select suppliers and to help stimulate demand because we appreciate demand may be down. We do it from our perspective. We can help stimulate that by getting preferential terms okay. for customers to book knowing that if something happened in that destination, there's less of a risk. So that's something we currently work at the moment to try encourage our hotel and airlines partners to, to work with us on yeah. that front. So you're doing yeah. all of that work behind the scenes, Correct. going to your suppliers, your, yeah. your hotel partners and stuff, and hopefully yeah. trying to, to, yeah. to get some things in the market. Definitely, and it's early yeah. days, so we'll right. keep When do you think you might have something? Uh, hopefully in the next week or so, fingers crossed. Okay. Um, it's a big, it's, it, it is a sort of a more big, bigger commercial decision for an airline, for example, to offer yeah. that. Um, but we believe that will help stimulate the demand to get customers' confidence back yes. and drive those bookings again. I mean, yeah. Just talking about demand, we were hearing anecdotally it was down about market down about twenty percent last week, forty percent this week. I think there was a big change as well. Like when it was contained to China, I think people were still, or, or sorry, to the Far East, it, people were still travelling. I think once it hit Tenerife and in Italy, when it came to Europe, I think that was quite a, a significant change. Um, and obviously, you know, that people are saying it's going to be a terrible March. It could drag on into Easter. So. Uh, and then people are asking ABTA, and you know, and obviously you're already doing things yourself, but people are saying, what can ABTA do to create a campaign, or are there sort of messaging, you know, what can you do to help them to get this message across that it's, well, I'm going to say safe to travel, but I think we... I think <laughs> no, you're we, not. Uh, no, not, you're uh, not. Uh, yeah, so tell me, tell me about that. So that's not, you, you, you don't want people to be going out with a safe to travel message, but is, are you going to be doing anything around a low risk and yeah and that that is you know that is what we've what we've been doing um just sorry on that on that client there on the oh, yes, on the question there yeah, just just on that point i mean clients losing their deposit if they booked a package holiday um clearly you know one of the protections as we discussed earlier with the package holiday is that if the fco does advise against travel or if the services cannot be provided because the hotel's closed and there aren't any mm. alternatives or something like that, those customers will get a refund anyway. Right. So, you know, I don't think you should let these customers think that, you know, if, they, if the FCI advises against their, their, their travel to their they're destination, gonna they're going to lose money. all their yes. money. You know, if they booked a package, that's one of the protections there. Okay, um, so one of the things the they should be advising is don't just... Uh, worry about your deposit because you, yeah. you, you should be fine. Yes. Yes. yes, if the holiday can go ahead, it can go ahead. And if it can't because FCO advise against travel, you will get your money back if it's a package. That's, yeah. that's okay. one of the things that we've seen. And I think this is the question, which is, if I booked a holiday a month ago and I've just paid a deposit, and it's getting up to the kind of balance due date on, on next payment date, I can opt out of this holiday by cancelling now and it's just lost a deposit potentially, mm -hmm. depending upon the terms and conditions. And I'm not sure there's anything you can do to persuade people to do otherwise. If they have that disinclination, yeah. disinclination yeah, to travel, right. they can do that. And that's the confidence point. You want to mm. tell them yeah. what well, that's... Yeah. And you know, as Simon quite rightly says, here's the good news. If you do carry on and pay your balance and then the FCO does change their advice, you'll get all your money back. Yeah. If yeah. it's a package. Yeah. So well, at deposit stage, you can still transfer your booking to later in the year or next year. So you don't have to lose that business. You don't have to lose yeah. any money, Outright. actually. You can yeah. transfer your deposit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On, right. on the just the messaging, the messaging. So we were going to yeah. talk about that because yeah. clearly we we don't want to talk ourselves into you know out of no, business. No, and I th I think you know there is a role for everybody in this, and you know there's a role for tourist boards, there's a role for tour operators, there's a role for travel agents in getting the messaging out there about you know particular destinations. If you're the tourist board or the or the tour operator, um, Abta's role in this, um, as I said, is getting is 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 calm and correct. You know, we want people, we want consumers to be calm, 
uh, and we want to give correct and accurate information out there to help them to be calm and to have a sense of perspective about mm. what the what the issues are out there. So you know, that's help, that's though, when you've got you know we've got analogies with you know war. It's like that you know we're battling down the hatches, mm. and then you know I yeah. saw on BBC Breakfast yeah. last week. Uh, Simon Calder, editor, travel editor of The Independent, saying that airports were, uh, you know, the worst places uh, to be because they are bringing together all the germs for people coming from all places all around the world. He specifically highlighted the security trays where you're putting your belongings as you're going through the scanners as being absolute, you know, danger hotspots for picking up hmm. something. Um, you know, and ha so I know what you're saying. We've got to get calm, but that yeah, there's, there's a very well-respected travel journalist saying I wouldn't go to an airport if I were you. I mean, how does that help? Well, that doesn't help clearly. <laughs> no, so that's what we got to all counter. Um, and I think yeah, ABTA clearly has a role to play in that. And you know, ABTA has been playing that role, as I said. You know, over 350 media pieces since the end of January on this. Um, and, uh, but the rest of everyone else has a role to play as well, and that is tourist boards, it is travel agents, it is tour operators. And are you so, seeing that happening, or do you think it could be yeah, quicker, no, or, well, I, or I more? Clearly it could be more. Yes. Um, you know, there, there is, you know, this, is a, this is a challenge for all and of is us. And is it accurate factual messaging rather than price? Because you're Ab saying well, you're trying to stimulate demand yeah, uh, and you're well, trying to get that's better where, prices. I get that. that that's, that's, that's the point. You know, our role is accurate factual messaging to consumers about what the situation is, what their rights are, what the tour operator's obligations okay. are. So that's the, the constant. You're not you've going to got be bringing the, out... I mean, the question has been, are you going to be leading an industry-wide campaign? So the question, the, well, the answer to that is not, not currently. It's just a consistent approach it's that a, you're It's a employing. consistent approach that we have been employing. The, the, you know, the market issues around price or anything, that's, yes. that's for yeah. the market to, yeah. to, to work But with, I think it is it? happening. If you just look at this, you know, this is going to help counter. You look at Miles Morgan was on BBC, yeah. BBC the other night. You know, so it is happening, hmm. but we can all do more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, all right. Let's just go to a couple more questions. I don't know how we are for time, but... Um, Obviously, if we have still got questions outstanding at the end of this broadcast, you can keep sending them in, and I'm sure you guys would be happy to come, come on and log on and, and oh, answer yeah. them, or, or yeah. people can call you. Um, a question from, um, well, it's a suggestion from Paula Nuttall. Um, see what you think of this. She's saying it'd be really helpful to have a central hub with all tour operator T's and C's, uh, for example, those that are letting clients transfer to a later day and various different things that you're all doing because it would reduce the multiple calls by agents to tour operators and deliver a faster and better service to customers. So I think we've just covered that. Everyone's doing something a little bit different. There's a, there's a certain yeah. level of, of, of obligation that they have to follow, but then, you know, Brad's saying he's gone over and above on this mm -hmm. area and you're going to try and stimulate. I, so yeah. is that feasible? Is that sensible? Could, could add to coordinate I, a I, central I, the, hub? The, the, yeah. the, the difficulty with that, I think, is that, and I'm sure... You know, well, tell me if I'm wrong, but you will be being flexible on this on an ongoing basis. Correct. So, so to keep, to, yeah, that will be really, really difficult to, to maintain. I guess yeah. it's just people are busy, aren't they? Yeah. And they've got to, every mm. time, they rather they think they know yeah. and they can book a holiday, but I guess now they're having to go, well, yeah. hold on, let me just find out. And it's constant calls or all logging onto it's people's a, websites. It's a great idea and I think it could work, but... It, it's also there's a risk element if, if it's not updated and someone's using that information, but mm. down two weeks down the line, if there's different information available. So if, it, if, yeah. they're, if they're thinking about booking a crony holiday, do they have to mm. make a call to find out what you're doing, or is it all available online on the, uh, your trade portal? Yeah, yeah, we have we have the information online in terms of our official policy, but it's it's if you have a situation where a customer wants to cancel, it's best to call and let's be flexible and do see what we can do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. No, uh, let's go to another question from one of the agents who've um, uh, called in. So, uh, does the panel think that booking through a tour operator offers more protection during an event like this than uh, trying to dynamically package a trip for a client? There's a question. Who I know the to answer to that. that. <laughs> well, yeah, we know what you're going to say, Brad. That's quite obvious. But, I mean, you know, I guess if they've got an Atoll licence and they can put it all together, that's fine, but I guess then the onus is, is on them. Is the question, so could you just read the question? Does the panel think booking through a tour operator right. offers more protect, protection during an event like this coronavirus issue hmm. than offering to put together a dynamically packaged trip? Well, if, if, if a travel agent is putting together a dynamically packaged trip, then that will be a package. 
and therefore the customer gets the same protections as if they'd booked with the tour operator. If it's a package, the package travel regulations apply and all the protections apply there. Okay. Tour operator does not necessarily mean package, but it almost certainly does. And remember, the package travel regulations are much beloved package travel regulations we talk about all the time. Very, very consumer focused. That's the point. So, so certainly the lawmakers would say you have more protection if you book a package. And okay. I think that's probably true. Probably but true. There you go. Okay. All right. Um, one of the things that we had quite a lot of questions about, not a specific question, I've kind of amalgamated them, was around data, customer data. So uh, we've seen Gen uh, 2, for example, putting out trade communications to uh, its agent partners saying, we need you to give us really accurate data of the customers that you've booked on our holidays. Um, so it's obviously come to the fore, I guess, around Tenerife and through the, this coronavirus issue that we're, that we're in the middle of. But look, it, it, John Bevan on stage at your conference last year was calling for that after the Thomas Cook collapse. I remember Mandy Round at EasyJet calling for it after the Sharm El Sheikh uh, plane crash. So, you know, there's a big issue, isn't there, around c customer data and not being passed on correctly from agents to uh, tour operators, but I guess because they're worried that the tour operator will then um, perhaps take that customer direct. Um, but, you know, are we now at a situation, we've had enough of these situations where people can't contact customers when there's a problem abroad, and, you know, is this something that should be written into Abtis Code of Conduct, or is, it, is there something mandatory that should happen around, around, you know, accurate customer data? We've had so many people asking about hmm. it, so I've tried to paraphrase that. I th well, with the... We have put something in the Code of Conduct and in our model booking conditions around data addressing the Thomas Cook issue, um, which is to make sure that in the event of a failure, which is nothing to do with this, but mm. in the event of a failure, that data, that customer data can be accessed uh, more easily by us and by the uh, CAA to help tour operators who have got bookings with the agent. Um, in this, I think that you know the, the, the key is to have absolutely up-to-date information for emergency contacts. Now, whether that has to be the customer data or whether it's a travel agent, out-of-hours contact details so that the tour operator can get hold of the customer through the travel agent. Yeah. You know, there are many ways of doing this, right. but it's got to be That's there. It's got to be, though, it's gotta be... If there's something really urgent, they just want to contact the customer. Well, so that's a conversation between the agent and the operator. Yeah. But, I, you know, the, the, the trick is there's got to be, you know, absolutely accurate, up-to-date and effective contact details so mm. that the customer can be informed but of any, that, any problems. But that isn't happening. I've heard examples of people writing Mickey Mouse hmm. or 1234567 as the phone number. So, hopeless. It, that doesn't, I mean, it's fine if nothing goes wrong, but if there's a problem, hmm. that, that causes major issues. So... You know, what's the answer? What do you do, Brad? I mean, you must I say think some it's of a this vital, coming through. It's but... vital and we need to get to a better place as an industry. And we... what, what do you do as a tour operator to promise travel agents that you need it for one purpose only and you will not... Con I mean, surely with GDPR now, you can't yeah, go I think and it's take a, them direct anyway. It's sort of a non-problem. Any sensible tour operator, they're not going to be using that data. Customers mobile for emergency situations, you know, we're not going to be using that data for anything other than that. We were exposed in the Thomas Cook situation with that. Many operators were, and uh, our teams have always been really good at it, but I think it came to the forefront. Since Thomas Cook, we've mm. been insisting on that information. We can't because verify this situation, if, yeah. if it was to escalate, Absolutely. and you've got more lockdowns or, this is gonna be a, a really important to yeah, have yeah, accurate yeah. data, isn't it? So how, I mean, how you're saying, oh, we're, it's getting better, yeah. you've done something since Thomas Cook, but do we not need to have something mandatory immediately? QONI would be a firm supporter of that, absolutely. And who should lead that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably led by ABTA, in my view, but you may disagree. Well, I, I, as I say, I think that's a matter, you know, it's a matter mm. between the agents and the operators. That's a commercial issue between, the, between them. Okay, well, I mean, that's, that, I mean, it did come up at your conference and people were saying, check your agency agreements yeah, and all the rest yeah. of it, and various things, but it's still creeping through, isn't it? And I just worry, and I guess agents mm. who yeah. are called in, are or, or they're just worried, I guess, that yeah. their customers can be contacted and I guess tour operators yeah. need to make sure yeah, that yeah. they... I mean, you know, agents are having, IATA agents are having problems with this with the airlines, mm. you know, that's oh, yeah. going on there. So, you know, you can understand that they are, that they are cautious. So, you know, as, as I say, it's a, it's a conversation between operators and their so you agents. you don't think it's ABSA's responsibility? I, I don't think at the moment that's ABSA's responsibility to... to Intervene Even though you've in got 
members of ABTA saying... And we have members of ABTA saying that they wouldn't support it. Yes, as a relatively independent... No, I'm not trying to get... I'm just trying to get resolutions. Often talked about this is an important point, and yeah. this is just us tackling it in, in this context. Um, if something bad did happen and it's in the agency room, which I would expect it to be, that a tour operator, an organizer, is entitled to have that contact detail because they will be found wanting if they have no way of contacting the person they have a contract with. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's how they're going to look at it. So there is clearly a trust issue here, maybe, and it needs to be pushed through. Okay, we've got precious minutes yeah. left guys I'm going to ask just one more question because it's very specific and I don't want to let down some of the guys that sent in questions this is from Nikki Saville uh, and it, now she says the Ministry of Health in Singapore and the Foreign Office have said all new visitors with recent travel history to Iran Northern Italy or the Republic of Korea within the last 14 days will not be allowed entry or transit through Singapore this is, you know Singapore is a big uh, you know hub so uh, and big cruise destination you know it's, it's pretty important do we have any clarity on what is considered northern Italy? We talked about that a little bit earlier, saying it is actually only 10 It is defined. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the Foreign Office advice against all but essential travel to 10 towns, they're saying, and one in, in Veneto. But they're sort of saying, what are the agent and tour operators' options if they've got customers which have travelled through these areas in the last 14 days and there's some ambiguity? This, again, is one of these really, really tricky situations which we've not really seen before. It's kind of similar to the previous <coughs> question where, kind of, well, do you know at all? Um, and should you know, and, and what do you do if you find out? Mm. Uh, do you tell the customer you do know you're not going to be able to travel here? But again, as a tour operator or an, or an agent, that's not your fault. Uh, but now what do you do knowing that this customer is presumably going to be turned away, similar to the question that we got earlier on? Mm. They arrive there, and if the local authorities can pin that down and say, we are aware, because they may not be, no. that mm. you went to Iran or wherever yeah, it was. Or within the last 14 days. Yeah. We're putting you back on the flight, which would typically therefore be an obligation on the airline to immediately repatriate them. These are huge problems. Um, I think the ultimate obligation is on the customer because they are the ones that will know for sure where they've been and for sure where they are going. Okay. Um, so if you're a travel agent, you need to try and get that information. You need to make sure that customer has again, told you. Again, I don't think there's an outright legal obligation, but you know, travel agents, as we've seen time and time again, good customer service, they want to do the right thing, yeah. so you probably should the start answer. asking, oh, you're going to Singapore, or through Singapore, yes. have, Singapore. You been to, yeah. have you been to, yeah. and then... actually that's good advice, nobody wants yeah. to sort of get halfway there and get turned away, they, no. they want to be yeah. seen to be giving good If the advice. customer says no, no problem, yeah. if the customer okay. says yes, okay, now you can work you through your through checklist other, of calmly, yeah. as Simon says, yeah. uh, to make sure we, we, we do the right thing. Okay. Yeah. I think the, the, other, you know, the other sting there is it's the Ministry of Health in Singapore mm. that is talking about yeah. Northern Italy. Now there's, you know, there probably isn't any consistency about how people are defining Northern Italy. Mm. Um, now that is, you know, that's the sort of thing that we can probably find out through the Foreign Office, through other contacts. Okay. What is it that the Ministry of Health in Singapore so, means? Yeah, so by we know Northern very Italy. specifically what it refers to from Under the Foreign FCO Office. Under FCO advice, uh, yes. yeah. But the Ministry of Health in Singapore maybe have a different may, may view. Have a different definition yeah. or something, mm. so we can find mm. that out. Okay. I just want to thank Matt and Brad and Simon for their expertise and their time. Thank, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you.